This year, we're celebrating 20 years of Glass Tire. That means 20 years of Texas art coverage, 20 years of publishing writing from across the state, and 20 years of showing the world all Texas has to offer. Since our publication is a nonprofit, all of our work is made possible thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you'd like to help support our coverage, you can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining donor by visiting glasstar.com forward slash donate. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Art Dirt Podcast. This is a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. My name is Brandon Zeck. I'm Christina Rees. And this week, uh, we're talking about reopenings and all of the various things that that means. So it's kind of, it's on reopenings, it's the things that we don't miss, the things that we do miss, and kind of our advice for how to proceed with reopenings as vaccines are rolling out for COVID and as uh, art exhibitions start to open and openings start to happen again and events are starting to come back. Um, I don't know if you're anything like us at Glass Tire, but we were used to, before the pandemic, a full, full life of art events, and that just came to a shattering halt uh, in March of 2020. We're not going to dwell on that too much, but I mean, it, it was a significant change for many of us who are a part of the art world and who are used to just kind of having that social element of it. Um, so now as everything starts to reemerge and people start to host events again and, you know, day-long openings, and we're, we're going to go over a few things that well, just kind of our thoughts about it. I mean, this is also coming a solid year after, Christina, you and I did a top five of the top five things that we do not miss or did not miss about the art world. And that was two months into COVID. It was things that, you know, we were trying to gra- grapple with the quote, quote, new normal. Um, and I mean, between us, like a lot of people reached out to us after that and were just like, yeah, we can empathize with this. You know, and that was a big old two months into the pandemic. And what a difference a year makes. One of the reasons we're doing this one also is that a, a friend of ours uh, just went to Chicago and came back and had walked through the Art Institute of Chicago and got exhausted <laughs> uh, very quickly. And partly, I think this is not an older person who would normally get exhausted. This is a young person with a lot of energy. I think people right this second, um, aren't even necessarily, they're not even uh, particularly aware of how uh, exhausting it can be to get out for the first time in a while and um, what it means to kind of pace yourself when you've been used to sitting at home or seeing everything through a screen for the last year instead of going out and seeing things. We both just read um, a piece by Peter Sheldahl in The New Yorker. He went to freeze and um, Freeze was in person um, at the shed, the new shed, and he hasn't really been out and seen much art at all over the last year because he's, of course, in New York City and stuff has not been open. Well, and immunocompromised, but that's a whole other that's a whole other can of worms. 
Right, right. And and I certainly recommend uh, people go back and read a piece that he wrote about a, about a year ago um, about the fact that he's got a terminal illness. But, uh, you know, for people who haven't been out a whole lot, this moment feels a little bit overwhelming, I think, including for, for me. I mean, I'll just say it. I, and you and I have been out. I mean, Texas, in a very ad hoc way, of course... <laughs> has sort of been partly open for a long time. At least, you know, you could go to galleries by appointment. You could go into museums on timed tickets. And even at the end of, I think it was last May that the MFAH reopened and we went in and that kind of felt like the beginning of trying to figure out ways to go out and safely see art if possible, whether it was museums or galleries, other kinds of nonprofit spaces. So some people, I'm sure some people listening have been seeing art and some probably have been taking it easy up until they get uh, vaccinated, which would be about now. Um, How do you pace yourself? What are we looking forward to? What are we dreading? The list of things that we talked about one year ago that we didn't miss. Has any of that changed for you? I mean... Not particularly, or at least not very significantly. That list included uh, the fact of the whole idea of artists as celebrity. I know, I remember I talked about like the fear of missing an exhibition and like you miss an exhibition and you're like, oh, of course, that's going to be the exhibition that people are talking about 30 years from now. And I'm not going to have seen it, even though I was here when it was happening. Um, We also talked about art fairs. We talked about kind of the expectation of having to visit everything, which is a little bit the same as FOMO, but it's also completely different because of the social expectation element of it. And I think, Christina, there was one more, right? It was uh, just too much programming. There's so much programming going on in every single museum and gallery, or at least there was before COVID struck. And then even when COVID happened and everyone kind of moved everything online, there's still just a tremendous amount of programming. Um, So people are doing artist talks and roundtable discussions and panels and uh, walkthroughs, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes they'll have like, you know, they would have like public uh, education days, craft days, you know, anything to bring more attention to any particular exhibition in a gallery or nonprofit space. And it had just proliferated to the degree that it was it was impossible to keep up. So those were the five things on our list of things we don't miss. And that was a year ago. I'll say that my um, reservations about going to openings as a primary way to go out and see art um I'm, you know, at this point a year on, and I use the term uh, killing a bunch of birds with one stone, but now I feel even more that way. What I do miss is the efficiency of going out to art openings in one night, like going to see five to six to seven shows in a given night and also the running into people. Um, I didn't miss it a year ago. I miss it now because you can get so much done and you can see so much and see so many people and get a little bit more caught up. Um, so I would change that. The other stuff I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I, I miss particularly, but that I miss openings because I, I really was taking for granted how efficient and effective they were in terms of just being out and seeing work and also connecting with people. And remember One thing that, you know, just to take it into a little bit of a philosophical sphere here, humans are social animals and art is made to be consumed. Art isn't being made to be consumed just by yourself in your room. I know that there is some art being made that way, but by and large, 99% of all artwork being made, 
you know, the artist wants to get it out in the world and they want it to be experienced and talked about. It's a communal experience and that's still true. And there has been a real devastation to that, uh, over the last year. And it's something that I think we're all very aware of. And now I want to see art in a room with a lot of other people seeing the same art. You know, it's the same thing as like going to a movie theater and experiencing a movie at the same time a bunch of other people are experiencing it. The social animal part of me is really craving that. I I definitely empathize with that. Like the efficiency of the openings is something that I drastically underestimated (laughs) and just how much I could get done in a single night. Because I mean, I I know there were nights where I hit eight or nine openings. And I mean, to to be able to do that, that's a full day if you just go out during the day to see it. Um, Whereas, you know, it's two and a half or three hours of an opening. On the flip side of that, I, I do miss the happenstance interactions. And, you know, I feel like that was one of the big things that was just part of the larger conversation when all of this started happening is people were like, I just don't run into people or I don't have these random little interactions that kind of make me feel like a person uh, anymore. Yes. But at the same time, I have to say, I've talked to quite a few people since I've been out and about again, and it seems like a lot of people that I talk to don't miss openings that much. Um, I miss them in some regards and other aspects of them. I mean, I feel exactly the same way. I don't miss at all. Like in one sense, I've had a weekend for the first time in the past year. Uh, I never had a weekend before when I was in school, I was going to openings with glass tire. I was always going to openings and I miss seeing the people, but I also, I know if I started going to eight openings on Fridays and Saturdays and then an artist talk on Sundays, I would miss having a weekend a little bit. And a lot of people that I've talked to, uh, all off the record, have said the exact same thing. It seems the thing that people that I found that miss uh, most about openings is the fact that you can't celebrate the artist. A lot of gallerists that I've talked to, a lot of people who run nonprofits kind of seem like they might be able to go without the openings for them or you know their the business would survive things would operate as normal you don't have to feed people or buy wine or you know do any of the normal aspects of an opening but the real heart of it is the fact that the artist doesn't get to essentially have a party for them in their work. I totally understand that because you work on this body of work for years and you want to be able to celebrate it and see people interact with it. You know, it's it's also a way to be able to be like, I had a hundred people at my opening and this was great. It's a self-gratification thing that people kind of miss or that gallerists want their artists to be able to have and also you're right and uh and and on top of that you know the way artists make their name in the world still is by consensus is by building consensus and you can't build consensus if people do not see your work and talk to each other about that work um if everything's happening in a vacuum and everyone is having a completely isolated uh, experience with your work and not speaking to anyone else about it, there's absolutely no way to kind of rise to the surface and have people be more aware of you as an artist. So they're missing out on a, a big part of the experience of growing as an emerging artist potentially, or if they're an established artist, they could put out a really important body of work and just, and it just feels like it played to zero crowd at all. And I, you know, that's, that's that's not ideal but it kind of also brings to mind you know one thing that you're saying that you have a weekend now because you're not out looking at art for us um as much as we love art art is our job and a lot of people i think who even love art and it's not their job they almost treat it that way you know there's a sense of obligation we talked about that in that video is that sense of obligation 
Um, but there are a lot of different ways to kind of exist in the art world. And if, if art is work to you, but it's vacation to others, you know, you're saying I finally have a weekend where I can just hang out and not have to go to gallery after gallery, museum after museum, event after, you know, artist talk after artist talk. There are other people that's like, it's the weekend. I got some free time. Is there some art that I can go see? You know, that is their vacation. Um, so there's always, always going to be a little bit of a disconnect between people who make a living doing the thing versus people who use it as just kind of their main culture content that that's what they, that's what they consume. Uh, but every single different person has a different way of kind of framing the art world for themselves. And these days, so with this attention economy that has become kind of all powerful, everyone, everything's splintered, as we know, we've talked about this before, everyone's just going to, to whatever algorithm is already feeding them the stuff that they already like. But there are people in the art world who are, who are still all about the money. That's what they're into. That's what they're into the big marquee names. They're into the celebrity. They're into spending money. And that's the art world that they're going to gravitate toward. And there are other people for whom that it's almost the opposite of that they really just want to go into a gallery and take a very good hard look at work being made by artists who are in their own region, in their own communities. It's not that that doesn't apply for those of us who are just going to openings in Houston and Dallas and Austin and San Antonio. It's still there. The person who's standing next to you in a gallery may not be there for the same reason that you're there. And that's okay. But I think one of the things that gallery openings tend to do is it tends to bring all these different people together with different pieces of news and information and gossip and ideas and different levels of conversation and discourse um, generally when I go to an art opening, I do look at the art, even if it's crowded, I do my best to look at the art and I do tend to have conversations with people about the art. And one of the great things obviously is the serendipity of running into people that you haven't thought of or seen for a long time and having a conversation with them for the first time in a while and maybe having a conversation about the artwork that's actually right in front of you. The other side of that, Christina, is that a lot of times, I mean, I get I get a real pleasure out of having the chance to talk to gallerists about how things are going, about their artists, about what they have coming up, all that jazz. And at an opening, I mean, they are so often engaged with collectors, with their clients, with whomever they're talking to. I can't ever get a word in edgewise, nor do I really want to, because I want them to be able to work that opening. They are on the clock solidly during that opening. Um, so whenever I go into galleries now, you know, not during an opening, or as a lot of galleries are starting to do now, kind of whole day receptions, like a three to five hour, yeah, it's like the show is open today. And, you know, it is it is technically the opening, but it's not a big event like it was before. Um, and a lot of people are enjoying those, but I'm also just enjoying going into galleries you know, uh, again, I get to because it's my job, so it's a kind of a privileged position, but, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon or on a Friday at noon and just being able to actually have those conversations that if I just went to the opening and saw the show only at the opening and the dealer was occupied, like, I wouldn't really be able to have a chance to actually have a conversation with them. I feel like you are, you're very good about doing that no matter what. I mean, even before COVID, you were good at not just going to openings, but also going into galleries and having chats with gallerists. I, I've done it, you know, certainly off and on as well. Um, you, when you were talking about how, when you go into an art opening, you don't want to try to take the attention of the art dealer because they're, they're working, they're trying to sell the work. I feel the same way about art fairs. I mean, the last thing I want to do is take up, you know, the attention of a gallerist at an art fair. Do you miss art fairs? We talked about that 
Peter Sheldahl's piece, uh, which in the New Yorker that you mentioned earlier, was about how he went to freeze at the shed and didn't hate it, um, which, you know, that's a pretty glowing review, I would say, for an art fair for him. Um, and I I mean, to be honest, I haven't really even thought about art fairs for the past year. Like, I've followed all of the online viewing rooms and the things that other fairs are doing and, you know, all, all the news around it. But being as uh, the Texas contemporary hasn't really happened in a few years in Houston, which is, has been, or has become Houston's art fair. And the Dallas art fair was canceled last year. I, I don't know. They, they just really haven't even been in my Texas art zeitgeist. So they haven't occupied any space in my mind. I feel like in a way, I mean, in a way it would be, nice to get back into the fig building in Dallas to see the Dallas Art Fair and to see all of the dealers in one spot and and all of this art from outside of Texas. Um, in a way, I, I almost feel like it's the same approach as like the openings, right? It's like this kind of the same mentality of it's it's like a, a way that you can just see a lot all cram-packed into one visit. Um, and maybe after, you know, not going to an art fair for probably two years by the time one happens it's it's like you've it's been washed away a little bit the constant hammering and the dread that you normally experience because it's just year after year I mean if you don't do something for two years you're kind of ready to jump back in and have a another go at it what do you think well I you know I was thinking about our friend who went to the Art Institute of Chicago and got overwhelmed pretty quickly because it's a big space and I was thinking about museums that I've been to where I it was just crystal clear I wasn't going to be able to see everything in one day and we know those museums it's you know it's the Louvre and it's the Met obviously in the United States but one of the things that Sheldahl was was careful to point out in his article was that there were only 60 exhibitors and normally freezes several hundred. And so uh, about sort of pacing oneself or the efficiency of an art fair versus not having one. I mean, again, efficiency is a weird word to apply to something like an art fair, but it's been applied a thousand times by a thousand people because it is just so convenient to go to one place to see so much stuff from uh, international galleries. And that includes the Dallas Art Fair, frankly. But a smaller art fair sounds like a pretty good idea, you know, smaller art fairs, more boutique art fairs. I would like to see more focused art fairs and not so many giant mega fairs, but I don't know how realistic that is. I mean, mostly the fairs, as he also pointed out so um, truthfully, is that the fairs were really kind of a way for galleries to deal with the, or the, you know, the growing power of the auction houses, um, and to kind of counter that. And I still don't see that changing anytime soon. I think that by the time, I think by this time next year, all the big fairs are going to be back in action and everyone's going to be back at them the way that they were before. I think the richest people have gotten richer over COVID and they're looking to spend some money as we've been seeing with NFTs. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I feel like the idea about art fairs and the, the reason that his review of Freeze was good uh, or was positive was because of like the 60 exhibitors. If it was, if it had been 200 exhibitors, he would have written about how bad it was and how overwhelming it was. But that's just the same general idea of um, like a couple days ago on NPR. I don't remember what show it was, but it was like essentially a panel of quote unquote experts 
um, about uh, and people were calling in asking questions about the world getting back to normal. And it wasn't necessarily health experts. It was like psychologists counseling people how to go about resuming a semblance of their normal lives. And I mean, you know, people asking the very basic questions of, I haven't had to have small talk in a year. I don't want to ask everyone how uh, how their past year has been, because obviously it's probably been not that great. So how do I do the small talk now? And I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are unprecedented times, as we have heard over and over. It's absolutely true. We are living in interesting times. One of the reasons to go out into a reopened world, whether it's an art world or whatever it is, your hobby or your love or your vocation or avocation is, is to see what how the world is dealing with it. We've never been through this before. It's interesting. Go out, if anything, just go out as a voyeur or think of yourself as a, a novelist or a writer or somebody who's just observing it so that you can... Keep it in your mind so that 10 years from now or 20 years from now, if somebody asks you what was it like, or you can tell them. I, I, don't, I don't think we need to be forgetting what's happening to us right now because I think, it's, I think it's fascinating. And I think the way that the art world will end up dealing with that ultimately is going to be fascinating. You know, one thing that we do know that we've watched, and I mean it kind of came up even in that top five that we did, is that there's just so much art out there. I mean, there's so much more art than there was before. And I... COVID didn't slow it down at all. And uh, there's more spaces to show art. There's more art in those spaces, along with more programming. There's just more of everything. There are more art fairs. And, you know, and yet the ratio of good art to bad art has not shifted. It doesn't seem to. That seems to be an extremely stable kind of ratio. Um, you know, whatever that is. And different people probably have different numbers for that. Um Mine probably would sound incredibly cynical, so I won't say what it is, but just because there's so much more work out there, yeah, in terms of ratios, there is, I guess, more good work, but there's not more good work compared to bad work. I mean, it's just, it's always the same. So it can get overwhelming. It can get exhausting. Give yourself a break. I mean, <laughs> don't beat yourself up if you don't make every opening or every gallery show. I don't, and you know, God, the stress level right now, thinking that people are going to somehow be like keeping an eye on you and what you do and what your behavior is. No, no, no. That's not how things are. No one's paying attention to you except for you, really. And um, so you get to pace yourself however feels right. As an analogy to what the quote unquote experts on NPR said, you know, don't don't start with like a house party. When you go back out, don't start like going to the Met when you go back out. Start start with like a small little like three friend get together, i.e. a gallery open house <laughs> and just build up. Yeah, I know. And it's so funny because we can say this and in, in all earnestness, you know, this this kind of advice feels about right. There are lots of people, certainly lots of people in Texas and even people I'm sure who are listening to this who are like, God, all you chumps and pussies, you're not getting out. Like, just get out. It's just, we're just all human. Let's just all be around people. And how, have you not eaten in a restaurant yet? Have you not like gone to a, a, you know, a block party yet? It's like, well, a lot of people have not actually, although in Texas, a lot of people have. 
So uh, the hand-wringing aspect of like, do we keep our masks on? Do we not keep our masks on? Do we go to these things? Do we not go to these things? I mean, this is this is actually kind of the conversation that people are having right now is like, um, people don't want to feel shamed for whatever choices they're making. So for me still, when I run into somebody that I haven't seen in a long time, the last thing I want to do is ask them what choices they're making. <laughs> yeah. Ask them what they've seen or what they haven't seen or whether they've seen this show or not, or blah. It's to me, it's rude. It's almost like asking somebody you can't tell if they're pregnant, asking them if they're pregnant, you know, it's like, just don't do it. Um, cause people are all having to kind of, uh, proceed at their own pace and that's fair. That's totally fair. I will say that as I think um, the dependency of trying to get as much done through your screen and online and virtually, I do think that people who've gotten extremely used to that, and to some degree, I'm simply uh, lecturing myself, don't relax too far into that. Art really is meant to be seen uh, much more communally than we have been able to do in the last year. I, it's just, it's a gentle, friendly warning. Like, go go out and see the stuff and go with people and have these conversations. Let art kind of re-emerge the way, in, the, in your life the way that it's meant to. Well, with that, um, we do look forward to seeing you out and about again. And, you know... Um, both Christopher Blay and I moved to Houston not too long before COVID started. So in some ways we were really set back in terms of getting to know this community here. Cause we both came from the Dallas Fort Worth area. He came from Fort Worth and I came from Dallas. So I'm looking forward to getting out and about again, especially in Houston, my new city and seeing people and meeting people and uh, feeling a little less isolated in that regard. Uh, what about you? Or is there anything in particular you're looking forward to? I mean, I'm looking forward to the ability to travel again, just uh, kind of as a, a it, as a wider idea. You know, I've, I've traveled some across Texas over the past year, um, particularly more since I've been vaccinated or mostly all since I've been vaccinated. But I'm, I'm really excited for the chance to, you know, maybe start being able to take a larger trip or to try and walk around the Met without being overwhelmed or, you know, just to see a different landscape and to figure out what all of the artists are doing that are in Texas and beyond. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be good. Everyone just get your shots and, uh, allow yourself to slowly, but surely dip your toe back in the water. Cause I think it's, I think it's going to be good. There are a lot of, there are a lot of good artists making a lot of good work right now. And there are artists who are making work that addresses the moment that we're living in. And, um, I think we need to take it in because this, that we're living right here, right now. <laughs> and we need to remember this. So, yeah, with that, I would say go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2021.